them bouquets of flowers today, to the mom whose child can't show affection and appreciation today because they are too young, too sick, don't understand, or aren't with you physically, to the grandmoms, great-grandmoms, sisters, aunts, and cousins, to the stepmom, the adoptive mom, the foster mom, the new mom who is trying to get the hang of it all, to the mom whose parents are grown and out of the house, to the mom who has lost a child at any age for any reason, to the mom who has never had any children of her own, but has a whole classroom of children's ministry who has adopted you as mama, to the mom waiting to be a mom, waiting to be the right time or right guy, or the next doctor's appointment to find out whether it has happened yet, to those who have moms and those who miss them, you are a hero. You are stronger than you think. You are valued and needed. You are the world of someone, and you are honored today. I know what can be encouraging today for some can be painful for others. Today, I get a snuggle, my little boy, but two years ago, I didn't know if I would ever be able to have children. A wise woman at church told me that even if I didn't get pregnant, I would still be a mom to the children I love in my life. She said, Isaiah 49, 15 to 16 comes to mind. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and the walls are ever before me. God is speaking in this scripture and compares his love to a mother's love. While we never be able to achieve God's perfect love, he uses mother's love as an example because it is the strongest form we can understand on earth. No matter what type of mom you are, if you have had this kind of love, if you've impacted a child's life, you've made a strong impression on them and made a difference. Thank you for the role that you play. Happy Mother's Day. Um, just want to thank you so much. And, you know, I, I tell you, this is a special day for you. And enjoy it. And as, as the letter that she had wrote, as number Jen Schultz had written that letter, uh, for all you ladies who have an influence on a child that they call you mom regardless whether they're biologically yours or not, thank you. So I wanted to share that with you this morning. I also wanted to share with you that as I had been preparing to speak this morning as we're still in the book of Revelation, that I couldn't sleep last night and my heart was burdened. And I, go, I wake up at 1 o'clock and went to sit on the couch and um, walked around the house for a little bit, tried to sleep, but I could not because my heart was troubled. And I often think, and bear with me on this, that understand as a pastor and a preacher and an evangelist, I have been called by God to share the good news of His Son, Jesus Christ. There's only two places that we will go when we leave this earth. For those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, you will spend eternity with Him. For those that have not, they'll spend eternity in hell. And hell is a terrible place. And see, the Bible tells me that God is going to execute his judgment among this earth. And sometimes I think we get curious in Revelation and we love, like I said, the imagery, the different stances we take, the timing of the matter. But what we have to understand is the whole scope of this was that God will not permit unrighteousness. And the Father that we serve, He is a holy, upright, 
just undefiled God. And as my wife and I were talking last night, the thing that troubles my heart, that as a minister of the gospel, that I have to relay to you that there's nothing that I can do for you, or your mom, nor your church, each one of us have to stand for God alone. Each and every one of us. And as I been going through the study of Revelation last week, I began in chapters 13 and 14, and I said at the beginning of the sermon that I had done this for a reason, and that I would go back to chapter 9. Remember, when we was in Revelation a couple months ago, I stopped at chapter 8, or I went through chapter 8, and I stopped at chapter 9. The reason that I did that, and I want to reemphasize this, is because last week as we were talking about false prophets, guys, listen to me. They're false prophets today. And there are people that will deceive you. Deception is always Satan's greatest tool. Deception. Right now, this country is in political, physical, and financial turmoil. And people are looking for anything they can to bring their self-satisfaction or relief from the present circumstance. What a great time for false prophets to speak and draw crowds. And I wanted to share that with you because understand, just like false prophets bring deception, we have to realize that God's judgment is real. And people don't speak on it. As I've said many times, it's not popular to preach that sin has consequences. Because in our atmosphere of humanism and self-righteousness, we have convinced ourselves that we are better than somebody else because we don't do what they do. But our moral compass is jaded because we have a self-righteous outlook. We don't apply the principles of God's word. Christ is not our final authority. And what happens is we go after things that tickle our ears. Well, let me tell you what's happening right now as we go back to chapter Nine, as we review in the book of Revelation, what you have seen, as I'd spoken before, is as John gives his vision on the Isle of Patmos, he will address the seven churches of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Now, we don't know why he only addressed those seven. There were more churches in Asia Minor, but he will address the churches in Asia Minor and things that he, he saw in them, things he had against them. And after that, John sees a vision of heaven. He sees the throne of worship, and he sees God around the throne, or God on the throne, and the angels around him. And we see the seven seals. And as I spoke last week, just to try to remind you, we see John, as he sees this vision, begins to weep because there's not worthy one worthy in heaven that can open the seal. Only Christ can open the seal. And, and, and he has shown that, that Christ can open the seal. And as Christ begins to open up the seven seals, remember seven, you hear the number seven. Seven is a number of completeness, a number of fullness. And a lot of times in the book of Revelation, we get caught up in the symbolisms and we get caught up in messages that aren't there. But understand that what I'm trying to share with you this morning, that God's judgment is real. And there's coming a time, and, and I honestly believe, if you see the world that which we live in today, and we see how things are. We see false prophets. We see the things that are happening. Oh, boy. Let me tell you something. We don't have a clue about a lot of things. And what I want to share with you is, is as I began to share the seven trumpets, 
the last time I spoke after the seven seals, I told you the trumpet is a shofar. And when the shofar is sounded, it's bad news. It means judgment is coming. And we're going to be in chapter 9 today, but I want to back up to chapter 8 because I think this is a critical verse that I think we've missed. Now, on the seven trumpets, now I know I'm going through a lot, but we're on the internet. You can go back and look. <laughs> so, you know, bear with me. But what I want you to understand this morning is in chapter 8, before I get to chapter 9, the last couple of verses. Now, in the seven trumpets, the seven judgments, if you will, that are poured out upon this earth, they're divided in two groups, okay? The first two consist of four of the trumpets. Those will, will, will direct toward nature, okay? The luminaries, the sea, the grass. And you see these things poured out upon nature when the trumpets are blown. They affect man, as we'd say, indirectly, okay? It's reminiscent, if you will, of the plagues in Egypt. You, you remember the story, okay? In the plagues of Egypt, as God would counteract everything the Egyptians believed in to show that he is in control. In the first plagues dealt with men indirectly. But just like the trumpets, uh, the last three trumpets of the two groups, they deal with men directly. Now, I want to back up to verse 8 for a reason. I'm chapter 8. And you don't have to turn there. You can listen to verse 13. See, after the fourth trumpet blew and the luminaries were struck, it says in verse 13, And I looked and heard an eagle flying high overhead and crying out with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe. Not only did he say woe, he said woe three times. Let me give you an indication of what woe means in Greer Indian. Trouble's coming. Bad trouble. This is not good. Here you see this eagle, which usually if you look at the uh, Old Testament, a reference to eagle means power. Okay? This is power. And he's saying woe, woe, woe to those who live on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blast that the three angels are about to sound. God is sending them a warning. But things are going to get worse. Now you've been touched indirectly. You're fixing to be touched directly. Look what the Bible says. I will go through 9, 1 through 12 this morning. I'll go through the verses after we read them, and I'm going to give you a couple of principles. Now please understand that as we go through this the next few weeks, Please listen to me. Read scripture. It's okay to read people's works. It's okay to disagree with Chad, okay? Listen. But base everything on scripture. Please. Because so many people have a lot to say about what is a lot to happen, and we miss the point of the word. And I want to give you that this morning because I'm going to tell you why it's been troubling to me this morning. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, as I think it was Ray Comfort that said, you should be concerned about your neighbor. If you're not concerned about your neighbor, then I'm concerned about your salvation. Now listen to me. What we have... We cannot keep to ourselves. There must be a desire to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody. There's not one human being in here that calls himself a believer called to be silent. 
I want you to see the urgency of the theme of this as we go through this time of tribulation. Revelation chapter 9, 1 through 12. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth. And the key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him. And he opened the shaft of the abyss, and smoke ascended out of the shaft, like smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened from the smoke of the shaft. Then out of the smoke came locust upon the earth. And the power was given them, as the scorpions of the earth had power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor the green thing, nor any tree, but only the people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a person. And in those days, people will seek death, and they will not find it. They will long to die, and death will flee from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces were like human faces. And they had hair like the hair of a woman, and their teeth were like teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like a sound of chariots of many horses rushing into battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tails is the power to hurt people for five months. They have a king over them. And the angel of the abyss, his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and the Greek, that he, his name is Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold. Listen, this is very key. The first woe has passed. Behold. Two woes are still coming after these things. Do you hear that? As if it couldn't be bad, it gets worse. Now, I want to back up for a few minutes to go to Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. Let's go through these verses. Now, the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth. That is in the perfect tense, had fallen. The star had already fallen. He's not seeing one fall. He is seeing one fallen. Now, we don't know exactly. Some will apply this to Satan. But what we do know is this is an entity that has fallen. It is a supernatural entity that has fallen. And this had fallen to the earth is given the key to the shaft of the abyss. Now, what is the abyss? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jude. The book of Jude is right before the book of Revelation. And you will see that this abyss is a very interesting place. Look what he said. And I'm going to uh, begin in, in Jude, verse 5, if we can. Now, I want to remind you, although you come to know all things once and out for all, that Jesus saved the people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, listen, who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment of God on the great day. Okay? Now, here is this place that this demonic presence is kept, and they are bound. Now, think about this. This is where I really want to get to the point. Do you know that we have demonic activity around us every day? Spiritual warfare is around us continually. Just imagine the gate being opened and the hordes of hell come out now. How worse can it get? That these hordes of hell that's been reserved in chains, God allows in his permissive will to execute his 
judgment. You see that? He is given permission to open this abyss. Now you say, well, wait a minute. Here's the problem we have a lot of times as Christians. Okay, I want you to listen. That we think that God is Luke Skywalker and the devil is Darth Vader. Now now you said, Chad, this is kind of goofy. Go with me. And here they are, lightsaber. Let me tell you something. God is in control. We have to understand this. God is in control. Satan cannot do anything that God does not allow. Chad, where do you get that? Well, let's talk about a man by the name of Job. You see, the Bible tells me that Job was an upright, righteous man. Okay? And Satan goes before God and says, I guarantee you if I touch his body, he'll curse you. So, go ahead. But his soul's mine. Satan touches his body. Not only does he touch Job's body, he takes his family away from him. Job pretty much loses everything that he has. And the whole book of Job is that God vindicates his name. Don't you ever forget that. God's in control of everything. He is in control. He is given the key. The shaft of the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft of the abyss. And smoke ascended like shaft out of the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were from the smoke of the shaft. Now, I don't want you to miss the imagery here. That the Satan influence was so strong that darkness covered the face of the earth. I think a lot of times we miss how strong satanic power is. We take it flippantly. You don't wrestle flesh and blood, but what? Principalities of the dark. And Satan oftentimes is used as people. Spiritual warfare is real. It's not a joke. But understand, God is in total control and using these entities to execute his judgment. Okay? Look what it says. In the next verse. Then out of the smoke came locust upon the earth. Now, I don't know if many of you know about locust, but I call it a grasshopper on steroids. They're very powerful. They work together and will clean a crop in a heartbeat. Now, the thing about locust is, is this. They're often used as instruments of God's judgment. You will find this in the book of Amos. You'll find it in the book of Joel. You'll find it in the book of Deuteronomy, where locusts are used as instruments of God's judgment upon people. Why? Because they will glean everything. They'll clean everything. They will wipe it completely out. But these locusts are different than what you would think a locust would be. Now, taking into consideration that these locusts are powerful and they take out everything, these came up like locusts upon the earth and power was given them as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, these are like locusts, but they also like scorpion. Now, scorpions are a very interesting little arachnid too. If you've ever studied them, that they're a very powerful little arachnid and they have a tail that is very, very potent and will hurt you very bad. They say that a sting of a scorpion is so powerful, I'm going to get ahead of myself, is so powerful and so painful that you are in misery for days. It is a miserable feeling. Now, these, these creatures are like locusts and they have 
a, a sting like a scorpion. But they were told, now listen, to not to hurt the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only the people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now listen, so these can't be literal locusts, can they? Locusts eat things that are green. But what these are are like locusts who will inflict major damage among who? People. This is scary. Who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. This is unbelievers. This is God's judgment among unbelievers. Now think about this for a few moments. You see what I mean when I talk about caring for your neighbor? Do you realize, and a lot of times, now bear with me on this, and I'm not trying to be cute or flippant, but understand, many times we talk about hell, Satan, and punishment as a joke. And we laugh about it. It is not funny. It is real. God's judgment and wrath is real, and people will feel the effects of it. How much would you have to hate somebody not to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them? You see? These are going against unbelievers, those who have not been sealed. We talked about the sealed. Those who have been sealed by Jesus Christ. That God made them. Jesus has saved them. The Holy Spirit has sealed them. Just like you that have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have been sealed. You are his in the palm of his hand. And nobody can pluck you out. You are signed, sealed, and delivered. We talked about that. These are the sealed during this time that they are not allowed to be touched. Now, we'll go into this a little bit further. It's kind of interesting to me that all these people around them are being afflicted by this locust, this demonic horde that is running rampant upon the earth. Now, look what it says. And they were not permitted to kill anybody, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like that torment of a scorpion when it stings a person. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death will flee from them. Now, I want to stop there for a few moments. And I want you to think about this. They are permitted to be tormented. And tormented till they are miserable and they desire that which they can to die. And death flees from them. I got to thinking about this. And I want to give you a couple of points in this to, that, that you may understand. I don't know, and I don't think this could come close, but I'm going to give you an example. What does it mean to be tormented and cannot die? How many of you have ever had a kidney stone? Okay. Now, I've had many throughout my life. Now, I'm not trying to compare this. It's the only illustration that I could use, and I want to give you an example. I had a 7-millimeter kidney stone. And they send me home and say, he can't pass, and he needs to go back to see a urologist. You know, thank you. Here's my pain pills. Have a great day. They send me home six hours later. After the IV drugs had worn out, it comes back with a vengeance. Now, the only place that I can go is Greenville Memorial. It doesn't been to Greer, so... Uh, I, I want to go back because that's where my urologist is. Well, on the way, I live in Campobella, okay? And Campobella is a long way away from Greenville Memorial. It's only, well, it's what, 30 miles to me? It's felt like 700. But here's my point. 
And my wife will tell you this. I am hurting so bad, and I'm laying in the floor of the car. You see this? I am 300 pounds, and I'm in the floor of the car, doubled over. And I tell my wife, pull over on this highway and hit me in the face with a brick. I got to have some relief. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. I'm hurting, and I'm praying to God for mercy. And I'm miserable, but I hurt, and there's no relief. I want you to to try to think about this, that they are being continually tormented. They are continually tormented, and death flees from them. They cry for death, but cannot get it. See, that is one of the great misconceptions that people have about death. Those are in misery that are looking, that are struggling and wallowing in their sin. They think that death is a release. Did you know that when the two men did the Colorado shooting, they had made home videos of the school, and one of them said, we're going to do this, but we're going to a better place. All the deception of Satan. That people sometimes think that this death is going to give them relief from their immediate satisfaction or their immediate situation. And what it does is take them out of the frying pan and places them in the fire. There's a big difference. Death will flee from them. Oh, what torment. Why is God doing this? I'll tell you why. That the people would repent. I want you to think about this for a few moments. They have the seal, those that are around them. They are given the opportunity just like Egypt. But people are hardened in their own heart. They would rather die than repent. They would rather waller in their misery of sin. Let me tell you something W.A. Criswell says, and I believe this is the truth. People that are wallowing in their sin have built their house on the foundation of hell. And they're miserable. And death flees from them. They can't die. Evidently, they try to, and they cannot. But their life, their agony is prolonged that they may see the error of their ways and repent. But if they survive the first woe, there's two more coming. They're hardened in their sin. I want you to think about this for a few moments. This is the power of sin. Oftentimes we think we got till the next day or to the end of life to repent. We often think, oh, if I'll wait and I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. No, you won't. You're not going to repent in the end. Some may, some probably won't. Why? Because you become more hardened in your life. The Bible tells me that even in the plagues of Egypt that Pharaoh hardened his heart. People's heart grow harder. Why? Why? Well, the Gospel of John will tell you. Because men love darkness rather than light. Their hearts will be hardened. And death will flee from them. And I want you to think about this for a few moments. That not everybody gets that last opportunity to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. There's a story of Joseph Stalin. We all hear of Stalin, that infamous Russian dictator who murdered millions. 
Did you know that he was a seminary student? And the interesting thing about it, he was misled by a false prophet, if you will, Lenin, who began to write and learn about Marxism. And his heart was hardened. It is recorded by his own daughter that at the very last breath he took, he shook his hand toward God and clenched his fist and fell back and died. In the last moments of his life, Stalin loved darkness more than he loved light. His heart was hardened. People do not run to God in their sin. They run from him. Because men love darkness rather than light. I have heard that a scorpion sting, not many people die, but it's one of the most poisonous and awful pain you can ever imagine. I can't imagine a scorpion sting, but what I can imagine is my own life, a kidney stone trying to call out for mercy and doing whatever I could to have relief. And that can't even compare to the judgment of God. And look what the Bible says. For they will long to die, and death will flee from them. Verse 7. The appearance of locusts was like horses prepared for battle, and on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, with their faces like human faces. Now, a lot of people and theologians will try to apply this to different people throughout history. I think what we fail to learn here is learn that we have tried to make an identity out of these hordes of hell. So you have to be careful with this. And that's what I'm going to tell you, because I want you to look what it says in verse 7. He says, the appearance of the locust was like horses, was like horses, was like. We have to be careful with our imagery here, because let me give you an example. When we were going to plant Josiah's Way in 2014, before we had our grand opening, if you will, of our church, our church plant, a couple of years later, I got up early that morning to get everything ready uh, for church. We had gone through a lot is, is in I'm sorry, it was 2016, right after Tiffany had been diagnosed with cancer. cancer. We're fixed. I got a lot on my mind, and I'm thinking, and, I, and my sons were home from college at North Greenwood University, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm up early in the morning, I'm thinking, I'm pondering, and, and I'm going, God, it's all about you, Lord. Help me uh, to, to do, do your will, Lord, that I would be faithful to your word, Lord. And, and I got a lot on my mind, and I turned to go down the stairs, and when I do, I hit the carpet at the top of the stairs, and I lose it. And I know I'm in trouble as I'm falling forward down this flight of stairs. So I just covered my head, and boom, 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 there I go. And it hurt bad. All of a sudden, my son runs out. Of course, my son, the first thing he says, he sees me laying at the bottom of the stairs. Man, it sounded like a herd of elephants came through here. <laughs> I was likened to a herd of elephants. Okay. Now, I used that illustration to tell you that. It sounded like elephants going through, but it wasn't an elephant. It was me. These locusts are like unto horses. Now, let's look at the imagery here. They are prepared for battle. Horses are used in cavalry. They are in great numbers, and they gallop toward war. And on their heads appeared crowns like gold. I want you to think about this. Crowns like gold. The crown, which is a sign of victory. Their victory over them that they're fixing to oppress. Now look. Their faces were like human faces. They had intellect. They had hair like a woman. It may have been desirable to look at. 
and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They were ravenous. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. They had their defenses. And their sound of their wings was like the sound of a chariots and many horses rushing into battle. I want you to think about this. As we see this imagery, I don't want you to miss the overarching fact here. They're bad, they're noticeable, and they take over. That's what you need to see. They're bad, they're noticeable, and they take over. They have tails like scorpions and stings, and their tail is the power to hurt people for five months. And they have a king over them. Now, I thought that was interesting, too, because if you read in the Old Testament, you'll see that locusts have no king. But these locusts have a king over them. They're under authority. They have a king over them, an angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek, his name Apollyon, destruction. Their king is destruction. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. I want to give you a couple of principles that I want you to see here this morning. And I want you to bear with me as we, we talk about this just for a few moments. Number one, that God in his own time and his own way is going to bring this world to an end. You see how the world is going now. You see the demonic influence around us. The gates of hell is going to be opened up during this time. And things will get worse. Now I want you to take into consideration this. That God will punish unrighteousness. I want you to understand, and bear with me, I don't know when all this is going to fully take place. I do not know. But what I do know now is that people are dying and they're dying lost. What I do know is God is going to bring judgment upon this earth. What I do know, I don't know the timing, is that there must be an urgency in every born-again believer's life to share Jesus Christ. Listen, people. If anybody goes to hell, they ought to be tripping over you on the way there. I, I want to bring this out for this very reason. This is what troubles me. I'm not always going to share with you I'm not going to tickle your ears. I'm not going to always tell you what you want to hear, and there's a lot of things I don't want to hear. I'm not going to tell you things or tell this community things to pack these pews. I'm not going to tell you you can have your best life now. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to go through trials and tribulations. I'm not going to tell you that everything's going to be a-okay the way Chad sees it. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to face death. 
I'm not going to tell you people in your family is going to turn on you. I'm not going to tell you that everybody that's your friend will always be your friend. I'm not going to tell you that you can make every payment on every financial institution that you've ever borrowed from. I'm not going to tell you that all those resources can be magnified. I'm not going to tell you that you will never be sick. I'm not going to tell you all these things that this world loves to tell you. I can't. Because I know this. That I am a human being that's been saved by the grace of God. And God never promised me to remove me from anything. He promised he would walk with me through those things. And what he told me is if I put my faith and trust in him, then that means I put my faith away from the world and in him. I don't desire worldly things. I can't have Christ and have the world. I can't do that. You can't have a little bit of both. There is no evidence in scripture that tells me that I can be a fence rider. People want a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world. But I can tell you this, if you throw into the little bit of the world, then you throw in a lot of hell. Now bear with me. You can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. Now Chad, as, as we're going through Revelation, why are you bringing this out? Listen, because the master I serve is the master of all things and his name is Jesus Christ. And he that saved me can save others. And there must be an urgency. And if you are being saved by Jesus Christ, your life will not only reflect that, but you want everybody else to have what you have, will you not? I mean, do you agree with me? Because this is real. People are dying today. And it's going to get worse. People get hardened in their sin. I am not going to tell you that everybody's going to be saved. It's not my job to save a soul. But there's an urgency to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that God convicts their heart that they would be saved. There must be an urgency. And when he brings this world to an end in his own time and his own way, it's going to be a bad day for many. But there must be an urgency. There must be an urgency. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think a lot of people, and a lot of times in a lot of ways, have tried to convince everybody in the church and everybody that calls themselves a believer that they're not going to go through tribulations. Show me that in Scripture. Because the same God that saved me will sustain me. The same God that will save them will sustain them. You have been sealed. And God will sustain you. He will bring it to an end in his own time and way. We must have emergency. And listen. We have to be a people that's living in expectation. What do you mean by that, Chad? What do you believe that? by that? Every day of our life, we should live as though Christ is coming. Every day that we live, we should live our life as though we may die. Because here's the thing, going back to what I was saying about confessions and last-minute things. Every day that I live should be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Every day. In my life is my testimony, okay? Okay? That's not the gospel, but is a result of the gospel. 
but as my life reflects Jesus Christ, then it gives me the opportunity to share the gospel. Every day we live should be an expectation. And, and, and I want to I close with this in this final thought. Now, now listen to me. I get a lot of phone calls. Some are good, some are interesting. But every single human being has a void in their life that only can be filled through Jesus Christ. People are looking for answers. The unchurched are just as concerned as the church is about this world around us. The difference is they're looking for other things to fill it instead of Christ. And I want you to understand that in the, in, in the life that I live, I'm a flawed human being. And I let people down. But the purpose of my existence is to glorify God and to try to take as many to heaven as I possibly can or let, God, or let me be alive that many go to heaven as possibly can through his conviction and his drawing unto salvation. Now, that being said... I won't, look, how serious are you about the lost? And I want you to think about this as you go home. Today's Mother's Day. Praise God, and we celebrate our moms. But I want you to ask yourself, because I've been continually asking myself, how much do I really love my neighbor? How much do I really care about the lost? How badly do I want them to have what I have? Now again, I can't save a soul. But I can share the good news of the one who can. And every one of our lives should live with that same urgency. As I sit there and I struggled last night over this passage of what it's going to be, I am reminded what it is right now and how bad it is. And can you, we, we can't fathom, imagine how bad it can be. How bad it can possibly be. Today is the day of salvation. Today. And again, I'm not saying that everybody you talk to or around is going to come to Faith in Jesus Christ. But you're obligated to tell them and let the chips fall where they may. You see, I want everybody to understand that as we're going through this book of Revelation that a lot of people will ignore. As I reiterate the fact we often get, a, get a, uh, thrilled by the the imagery and the numbers and, the, and, and, and all these things. But we miss the whole message where God, when he brings this world to an end, his judgment's final. That's it. And we've got to have an urgency because when he calls it done, it's done. As we have learned through this scripture, he is still in control, and he will use satanic influences 
as his instruments for his judgment. How much do you care about your neighbor? I said I was going to close. Close one more story. Have you ever had the neighbor or the person around you that you just didn't like? Now, I hear there's a lot of snickers, so evidently I hit the nail on the head. I'm talking about the people you wouldn't get out of the electric chair to give them a drink of water. I want you to realize something about the power of sin and the darkness and the hardness of sin. Lost people act like lost people. Why? Because they run from God. And as I told a gentleman earlier this week, everything that you do that, that you're doing, you can't fix it, and neither can I. You do not possess the power to resurrect the dead. No matter what you strive to do, no matter what you think you can change, you can't do it. And I told this person, it's like I tell people when I do marriage counseling. I said, a lot of people think that they're going to change their spouse. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. The only person that can change a person completely is Christ. Because their view is that of the Savior and Master instead of the view of the world. And that person that you don't like, there's a reason there's a reason that they act like that if they're sinful. Because they're lost. But understand this. The same Christ that saved you can save them. And there must be an urgency. And say, Chad, I know this may be in the future and this wrath. And let me tell you something. God says he does not take pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. He gives them opportunities. And we shouldn't take pleasure in the punishment of the wicked either. But that all people would come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you would just use us for your glory. God, that we'd have a sense of urgency. We don't understand the timing of all this, God. I don't have it narrowed down. God, I'm not you. You in your own time and way will do things according to your will. But God, what I do know is this. You will be bring righteous judgment. It's going to happen. And God, that day will be final. So God, as believers... We need to have urgency. Lord, as I read this text, it horrifies me. This vision that, that, that John had of these demonic hordes just running rampant over the people and tormenting them. Lord, I, can, I, I cannot fathom this vision. I have seen some things in my life that I didn't want to see. And Lord, one thing that I have learned about the eyes, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Oh, what a vision that John saw. And I can't imagine the troubled heart that he had. 
for the Lord as born again believers in Jesus Christ, we should have the desire and the attitude to take the gospel to as many people as we can. That Lord, we're not going to change a soul, but Lord, it's the message of the gospel that changes lives. God, I pray for this community. I pray for this world. Lord, I pray for lights in the presence of darkness. That, Lord, you would give us again the sense of urgency. That people, when they see us, see that we really believe what we say we believe and we really love like we say we love. And, God, I don't know how many people are going to be saved. I don't know what. Lord, you take care of the results. But, Lord, you have called us to be obedient to you. And, Lord, we pray that we serve you for your glory and your glory alone and be obedient to your call. And all God's people said, Amen. Stand and worship with us.